Part two of The Lion and the Unicorn by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part two. Miss Cavendish stood up to go and arranged her veil before the mirror above the fireplace. I come here very often to tea, she said. It's very kind of you, said Carol. He was at the open window, looking down into the street for a cab. "'Well, no one knows I am engaged to Reggie,' continued Miss Cavendish, "'except you and Reggie, and he isn't so sure. She doesn't know it.' "'Well,' said Carol. Miss Cavendish smiled a mischievous, kindly smile at him from the mirror. "'Well,' she repeated mockingly, carol stared at her and laughed after a pause he said it's like a plot in a comedy but i'm afraid i'm too serious for play-acting yes it is serious said miss cavendish she seated herself again and regarded the american thoughtfully you are too good a man to be treated the way that girl is treating you and no one knows it better than she does she'll change in time but just now she thinks she wants to be independent she's in love with this picture-painting idea and with the people she meets it's all new to her the fuss they make over her and the titles and the way she is asked about we know she can't paint we know they only give her commissions because she's so young and pretty and american she amuses them that's all well that cannot last she'll find it out she's too clever a girl and she's too fine a girl to be content with that long then she'll come back to you she feels now that she has both you and the others and she's making you wait so wait and be cheerful she's worth waiting for she's young that's all she'll see the difference in time but in the meanwhile it would hurry matters a bit if she thought she had to choose between the new friends and you she could still keep her friends and marry me said carol i have told her that a hundred times she could still paint miniatures and marry me but she won't marry me she won't marry you because she knows she can whenever she wants to cried marian can't you see that but if she thought that you were going to marry some one else now she would be the first to congratulate me said carol he rose and walked to the fireplace where he leaned with his arm on the mantel there was a photograph of helen cabot near his hand and he turned this toward him and stood for some time staring at it my dear marian he said at last i've known helen ever since she was as young as that every year i've loved her more and found new things in her to care for now i love her more than any other man ever loved any other woman miss cavendish shook her head sympathetically yes i know she said that's the way reggie loves me too carol went on as though he had not heard her there's a bench in st james's park he said 
where we used to sit when she first came here when she didn't know so many people we used to go there in the morning and throw penny buns to the ducks that's been my amusement this summer since you've all been away sitting on that bench feeding penny buns to the silly ducks especially the black one the one she used to like best and i made pilgrimages to all the other places we ever visited together and tried to pretend she is with me and i support the crossing sweeper at lansdowne passage because she once said she felt sorry for him i do all the other absurd things that a man in love tortures himself by doing but to what end she knows how i care and yet she won't see why we can't go on being friends as we once were what's the use of it all she is young i tell you repeated miss cavendish and she's too sure of you you've told her you care now try making her think you don't care carroll shook his head impatiently i will not stoop to such tricks and pretence marian he cried impatiently all i have is my love for her if i have to cheat and to trap her into caring the whole thing would be degraded miss cavendish shrugged her shoulders and walked to the door such amateurs she exclaimed and banged the door after her carroll never quite knew how he had come to make a confidant of miss cavendish helen and he had met her when they first arrived in london and as she had acted for a session in the united states she adopted the two americans and told helen where to go for boots and hats and advised carroll about placing his plays helen soon made other friends and deserted the artists with whom her work had first thrown her she seemed to prefer the society of the people who bought her paintings and who admired and made much of the painter as she was very beautiful and at an age when she enjoyed everything in life keenly and eagerly to give her pleasure was in itself a distinct pleasure and the worldly tired people she met were considering their own entertainment quite as much as hers when they asked her to their dinners and dances or to spend a week with them in the country in her way she was as independent as was carroll in his and as she was not in love as he was her life was not narrowed down to but one ideal but she was not so young as to consider herself infallible and she had one excellent friend on whom she was dependent for advice and to whose directions she submitted implicitly this was lady gower the only person to whom helen had spoken of carroll and of his great feeling for her lady gower immediately after her marriage had been a conspicuous and brilliant figure in that set in london which works eighteen hours a day to keep itself amused but after the death of her husband she had disappeared into the country as completely as though she had entered a convent and after several years had then re-entered the world as a professional philanthropist 
her name was now associated entirely with women's leagues with committees that presented petitions to parliament and with public meetings at which she spoke with marvellous ease and effect her old friends said she had taken up this new pose as an outlet for her nervous energies and as an effort to forget the man who alone had made life serious to her others knew her as an earnest woman acting honestly for what she thought was right her success all admitted was due to her knowledge of the world and to her sense of humour which taught her with whom to use her wealth and position and when to demand what she wanted solely on the ground that the cause was just she had taken more than a fancy for helen and the position of the beautiful motherless girl had appealed to her as one filled with dangers when she grew to know helen better she recognized that these fears were quite unnecessary and as she saw more of her she learned to care for her deeply helen had told her much of carroll and of his double purpose in coming to london of his brilliant work and his lack of success in having it recognized and of his great and loyal devotion to her and of his lack of success not in having that recognized but in her own inability to return it helen was proud that she had been able to make carroll care for her as he did and that there was anything about her which could inspire a man whom she admired so much to believe in her so absolutely and for so long a time but what convinced her that the outcome for which he hoped was impossible was the very fact that she could admire him and see how fine and unselfish his love for her was and yet remain untouched by it she had been telling lady gower one day of the care he had taken of her ever since she was fourteen years of age and had quoted some of the friendly and lover-like acts he had performed in her service until one day they had both found out that his attitude of the elder brother was no longer possible and that he loved her in the old and only way lady gower looked at her rather doubtfully and smiled i wish you would bring him to see me helen she said i think i should like your friend very much from what you tell me of him i doubt if you will find many such men waiting for you in this country our men marry for reasons of property or they love blindly and are exacting and selfish before and after they are married i know because so many women came to me when my husband was alive to ask how it was that i continued so happy in my married life but i don't want to marry any one helen remonstrated gently american girls are not always thinking only of getting married what i meant was this said lady gower that in my experience i have heard of but few men who care in the way this young man seems to care for you you say you do not love him but if he had wanted to gain my interest he could not have pleaded his cause better than you have done 
he seems to see your faults and yet love you still in spite of them or on account of them and i like the things he does for you i like for instance his sending you the book of the moment every week for two years that shows a most unswerving spirit of devotion and the story of the broken bridge in the woods is a wonderful story if i were a young girl i could love a man for that alone it was a beautiful thing to do helen sat with her chin on her hands deeply considering this new point of view i thought it very foolish of him she confessed questioningly to take such a risk for such a little thing lady gower smiled down at her from the height of her many years wait she said dryly you are very young now and very rich every one is crowding to give you pleasure to show his admiration you are a very fortunate girl but later these things which some man has done because he loved you and which you call foolish will grow large in your life and shine out strongly and when you are discouraged and alone you will take them out and the memory of them will make you proud and happy they are the honours which women wear in secret helen came back to town in september and for the first few days was so occupied in refurnishing her studio and in visiting the shops that she neglected to send carol word of her return when she found that a whole week had passed without her having made any effort to see him and appreciated how the fact would hurt her friend she was filled with remorse and drove at once in great haste to jermyn street to announce her return in person on the way she decided that she would soften the blow of her week of neglect by asking him to take her out to luncheon this privilege she had once or twice accorded him and she felt that the pleasure these excursions gave carol were worth the consternation they caused to lady gower the servant was uncertain whether mr carroll was at home or not but helen was too intent upon making restitution to wait for the fact to be determined and running up the stairs knocked sharply at the door of his study a voice bade her come in and she entered radiant and smiling her welcome but carroll was not there to receive it and instead marian cavendish looked up at her from his desk where she was busily writing helen paused with a surprised laugh but marian sprang up and hailed her gladly they met half-way across the room and kissed each other with the most friendly feeling philip was out marian said and she had just stepped in for a moment to write him a note if helen would excuse her she would finish it as she was late for a rehearsal but she asked over her shoulder with great interest if helen had passed a pleasant summer she thought she had never seen her looking so well 
helen thought miss cavendish herself was looking very well also but marian said no that she was too sunburned she would not be able to wear a dinner-dress for a month there was a pause while marian's quill scratched violently across carroll's note-paper helen felt that in some way she was being treated as an intruder or worse as a guest she did not sit down it seemed impossible to do so but she moved uncertainly about the room she noted that there were many changes it seemed more bare and empty her picture was still on the writing-desk but there were at least six new photographs of marian marian herself had brought them to the room that morning and had carefully arranged them in conspicuous places but helen could not know that she thought there was an unnecessary amount of writing scribbled over the face of each marian addressed her letter and wrote immediate across the envelope and placed it before the clock on the mantel-shelf you will find philip looking very badly she said as she pulled on her gloves he has been in town all summer working very hard he has had no holiday at all i don't think he's well i have been a great deal worried about him she added her face was bent over the buttons of her glove and when she raised her blue eyes to helen they were filled with serious concern really helen stammered i-i didn't know in his letters he seemed very cheerful marian shook her head and turned and stood looking thoughtfully out of the window he's in a very hard place she began abruptly and then stopped as though she had thought better of what she intended to say helen tried to ask her to go on but could not bring herself to do so she wanted to get away i tell him he ought to leave london marian began again he needs a change and a rest i should think he might helen agreed after three months of this heat he wrote me he intended going to herne bay or over to ostend yes he had meant to go marian answered she spoke with the air of one who possessed the most intimate knowledge of carroll's movements and plans and change of plans but he couldn't she added he couldn't afford it helen she said turning to the other girl dramatically do you know i believe that philip is very poor miss cabot exclaimed incredulously poor she laughed why what do you mean i mean that he has no money marian answered sharply these rooms represent nothing he only keeps them on because he paid for them in advance he's been living on three shillings a day that's poor for him he takes his meals at cabmen's shelters and at lockhart's and he's been doing so for a month helen recalled with a guilty thrill the receipt of certain boxes of la france roses cut long in the american fashion which had arrived within the last month at various country houses she felt indignant at herself and miserable 
her indignation was largely due to the recollection that she had given these flowers to her hostess to decorate the dinner-table she hated to ask this girl of things which she should have known better than any one else but she forced herself to do it she felt she must know certainly and at once how do you know this she asked are you sure there is no mistake he told me himself said marian when he talked of letting the place go and returning to america he said he must go back that his money was gone he is gone to america helen said blankly no he wanted to go but i wouldn't let him marian went on i told him that some one might take his play any day and this third one he has written the one he finished this summer in town is the best of all i think it's a love story it's quite beautiful she turned and arranged her veil at the glass and as she did so her eyes fell on the photographs of herself scattered over the mantelpiece and she smiled slightly but helen did not see her she was sitting down now pulling at the books on the table she was confused and disturbed by emotions which were quite strange to her and when marian bade her good-bye she hardly noticed her departure what impressed her most of all in what marian had told her was she was surprised to find that philip was going away that she herself had frequently urged him to do so for his own peace of mind seemed now of no consequence now that he seriously contemplated it she recognized that his absence meant to her a change in everything she felt for the first time the peculiar place he held in her life even if she had seen him but seldom the fact that he was within call had been more of a comfort and a necessity to her than she understood that he was poor concerned her chiefly because she knew that although this condition could only be but temporary it would distress him not to have his friends around him and to entertain them as he had been used to do she wondered eagerly if she might offer to help him but a second thought assured her that for a man that sort of help from a woman was impossible she resented the fact that marian was deep in his confidence that it was marian who had told her of his changed condition and of his plans it annoyed her so acutely that she could not remain in the room where she had seen her so complacently in possession and after leaving a brief note for philip she went away she stopped a hansom at the door and told the man to drive along the embankment she wanted to be quite alone and she felt she could see no one until she had thought it all out and had analyzed the new feelings End of part two.